think. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. And in the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Jesus is happy when he finds a single, lost, unrighteous sheep. In this parable, we find a mystery that 99% of the church does not know about. After hearing this video, you will know the mystery. And may the Lord of all graces and mercy give you the strength to accept this mystery in your heart. And may you add your voice to that remnant of sheep who have been faithful to this glorious message throughout all the centuries in which most of the church has been in gross darkness. Now, before I delve into this great mystery, I want to ask you a couple of simple questions. Consider, an unrighteous man has a large flock of sheep for sale that you know were once a part of your own flock that you loved dearly. This thief stole them, but you couldn't prove it. So you decided to buy them back. After a payment, the unscrupulous man decided he wasn't going to give you the whole flock. He was going to withhold a certain percentage. Now tell me, what percent would you be happy with receiving back? One percent? Ten percent? Fifty percent? How about ninety-nine percent? If you paid for all, you'd want it all, wouldn't you? Right? For, for you and me and anyone with a reasonable mind, 99% would not be enough. According to scripture, what was the purpose of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection? Quote, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And again, the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And one more time, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw, drag in the Greek, all mankind, all peoples to myself. And once more, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. So the question is, how many things did the Father give him? Quote, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. For the Father, 99% of all things is not enough. Jesus' purpose is very clear, to reconcile all things back to the Father. We find this in Colossians 1, 16 through 20. So what do all the scriptures say? Let me put a few scriptures together for you to get the impact of the importance of what I'm trying to express here. 
Christ, to whom, in whom, and for whom are all things, will reconcile all things unto God. He makes all things new. Hence, his work is the restitution of all things. He is the heir of all things. In him, not only all nations will be blessed, but even every family of the earth will be blessed. For the Father has given him authority over all flesh, and to give to whosoever was given to him eternal life. And so all flesh shall see the salvation of God, since the Father has given all things into his hands. Therefore, contrary to popular Christian opinion, we do not find billions in a hell cursing God, but we find every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. We find every knee of things in heaven, on earth, and under the earth bends to him, and every tongue confesses him as their Lord. And we know that no one confessed Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. As we can see, 99 is not enough. For God, whose counsel is immutable, whose attitude his, toward his, added, his enemies is love, an unchanging love, will have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, and all to come to repentance. And he has shut up all unto unbelief in order that he may show mercy upon all. For out of him is source, and unto him is end are all things whatsoever. And he has therefore put all things into subjection under Christ's feet. Dear friend, 99 is not enough for God. And so we are assured that God will gather into one all things in Christ, and his grace comes upon all men unto justification of life. So Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, promises by his cross to draw, draw, literally drag in the Greek, all men to himself. For having, as stated, received all things from the Father, all that was given come to him, shall come to him, and he will lose absolutely no one. But if anyone goes astray, he goes after that which is lost, until he finds it. Now, despite the fact that many of God's chosen and elect believe God's hand is too short to save all, God's hand is not too short to save, according to Isaiah. According to Isaiah and all the prophets, 99 is simply not enough. He comes in order that all men may believe, that the world through him may be saved, his grace brings salvation to all men, for he takes away the sin of the world. He gives his flesh for its life, and because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, he gives life to the world. He is the light of the world. He is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. He is the savior of all men. He destroys the works of the devil, not some of them only. He abolishes death itself. 
He puts all his enemies under his feet, including death, and is manifested to put away sin, and thus subduing all things unto himself. Now, the context clearly shows the subjection to be conformity to himself. He doesn't forget the dead. He takes the gospel even to hell itself, Hades in the Greek, of which he holds the keys, and he is the same forever. And even the dead are evangelized. As we can see, dear brother and Christian and non-believer, according to Jesus, 99 is simply not enough for him. Salvation is a gift from God. It is not of works, lest anyone should be found boasting. And that gift has been given to all men, despite the fact that some of God's own people don't believe in such generous grace. 99 is simply not enough. Are you getting the message? We can be assured of all these wondrous and glorious things because nothing is too difficult for him. And while many things are impossible with man, according to the scriptures, nothing is impossible with God. Furthermore, God is love, an unconditional love, an eternal love, a love that never ends, and a love that never fails. A love that lays down his life for not only his own, but his enemies as well, and commands his disciples to do likewise. <laughs> 99 is not enough. There is nothing that can withstand his will and no plan of his can be thwarted. Jesus asked the Father to forgive those who crucified him, which is who? It's all of us. The Father has laid the iniquity of us all upon the Lamb of God. Jesus died for us all. To punish us now would be double jeopardy. Think about that. Indeed, we can enter into his peace, believing that it is indeed finished. The gift of life has been given to everyone. Dear brother and sister, can you now see that 99 is simply not enough for anyone? The early believers in Christ believed this glorious message. But men drawing disciples after themselves entered the church bringing with them pagan concepts of hell which plunged the church into the dark ages. Those humble souls who brought glory to the savior of the world were soon killed or exiled by those who lusted for power. Men like Augustine and Constantine. The power of the Holy Spirit was replaced with fear and force causing the church to not only kill and enslave millions of unbelievers, but other Christians as well. Imagine that. Think about the dark ages and the evils that Christians did to other Christians and unbelievers. But this light is dawning again, this new light that's not new, it's very old. May you shed your light into the world by adding your voice to Christ's army as it, as it, it declares forth the victorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who ransomed and redeemed all, not some. 
Now, I realize now, especially those of you who know the Bible well, you're probably saying, but Gary, there are so many passages in the Bible that speak of hell and everlasting punishment. And I tell you, my dear brother and sister, I have in my library hundreds of Bible translations, lexicons and concordances, and church dictionary books, you name it. And I can assure you, there are in my library about this many, about four feet of Bible translations that do not have the word hell or the concept of everlasting punishment from cover to cover. The average person doesn't realize it. But the word hell is rapidly disappearing from even leading translations like the NIV, the New American Standard, um, and the New King James. The old King James had the word hell in it, I think, about 54 times. The, the New King James has it in there about 32 times. And the American Standard, which is a revision of the old King James, has the word hell in it only 13 times. There are translations like the, the well-known Young's Literal Translation, which you find in most Bible, trans, Bible software. And you can buy that book in the average Christian bookstore. That translation doesn't have the word hell or the concept of everlasting punishment from cover to cover. Translations like Weymouth's New Testament, Rotherham's Emphasize, the Concordant Literal, the 20th Century New Testament, and many other good Bible translations do not have the concept of a hell of everlasting punishment from cover to cover. Now you, dear brother, and you, dear pastor, you may not be aware of those Bible translations. When I was in the average traditional Christian church, no one ever handed one of, me, one of these Bible translations. I didn't know they existed. But when I got sick and tired of being a hypocrite and being uh, so, pretending to be something that I wasn't, and just got disgusted with, uh, with, with just Christianity in general, I began to study, I began to dig, and I, I discovered all these resources. And I took all these resources and I put them on a website at tentmaker.org under Scholar's Corner you will find hundreds of articles and books and DVDs and CD, CDs proving what I just said on this, uh, on this video, that to God, 99% of mankind in heaven and a, a little 1% one, one, one in hell, that's not good enough for, for God. But yet the church, in most of the churches that I have been attending for the last 23 years of my life, they took that parable and reversed it. In most of the, most of the Bible uh, churches that I had attended, 99% of mankind was doomed to a hell of everlasting punishment. And 1%, a handful, were destined to be with God the Father forever and ever. Please visit tentmaker.org. Please look at some of the resources there. I can assure you, after years of studying the word hell, studying eternal punishment, studying the lake of fire, and all those passages in some translations that seem to indicate that most of mankind was going to be separated eternally from God, those passages, when you look at them correctly, they teach just the opposite. They teach that to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, and to God the Father, 99 sheep 
is not enough. Jesus bought humanity and he will not be satisfied until the very last lost, unrighteous sheep is returned to him. That's the gospel. That's the victorious gospel of Jesus Christ that when the church begins to preach that gospel, the world will change and the glory of the Lord will cover this world and this world will change. 99 is not enough. Go out there and preach that message. That's the message that will change this world. Thank you. Thank you.